0: Howdy, neighbors! Yeah, that, I mean, you know, why not? Why not say that, right? I mean, it's called Invite the Neighbors. This is episode four, Invite the Neighbors. Why not open the podcast by saying, Howdy, neighbors! As if, you know, we're all neighbors. Sometimes you give your listeners a cool name and it's catchy and it's like a marketing tool. I don't fucking know. We'll see if it catches on. Probably not. But hey, this is episode four. We got Kevin Rice. He's in some bands called Volleyball. Uh, Lame, which is basically volleyball. Except they don't play the same music, but it's all the same people. I mean, they got a cool thing going on there, man. They all, they like, it. Kevin is the singer for volleyball, and the other Kevin is the singer for lame. So, like, what they'll do is they'll trade shirts or whatever, and then they go from being volleyball to being lame. But they're good, but they're called lame. But, anyways, Kevin is, uh, he's, he's everywhere, man. Uh, he's in Nashville. He, well, he lives in Nashville sometimes, he lives in Kalamazoo sometimes. He just lives everywhere. He lives in a, a truck that he refers to as a van. He's a really good guy. Um, I met this guy at blood fest last year. Um, he introduced me to the DIY tour postings page when I was with him at a house, sh- not not a house show, but just like a little crappy bar show in Nashville or Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Um, he's here with me today. Um, uh, we're going to talk about, I have no idea, but every time I talk with Kevin, it's great because he can talk, 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 and I can talk, talk, talk. So, um, some news we're on Spotify now uh so you can go to Spotify and listen we are up there now we're on Spotify iTunes Google Podcast Stitcher Radio TuneIn Radio um others i don't know but you can also go to my website net and you can see all uh the episodes there you can listen to the episodes there and you can also go to a sidebar where there are links where you can subscribe um, to all those platforms I just listed. And it also has links to my Instagram, my Facebook and a Twitter, which I just started today. I have zero followers. So if you guys could please go ahead and like follow me on all those things, um, and promote the podcast, rate and review the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. Um, all right, without further ado, which is this, I say that too much, but yeah, here's Kevin. Right, So it's like Kevin for volleyball is here. No volleyball, I hear is a band. Is that a sport now, Kevin? Did you play sports
1: when you grew up now, Kevin? Baseball. You,
0: you know, like shit like that. Uh, yeah, I try to be, do the exact opposite of that bullshit.
1: That's fine, dude. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll follow your lead on it. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. it sounds
0: funny. But yeah, so I guess like with, uh, I was curious too. Okay, so you got volleyball going, you got lame. Mm hmm. And then, is Came Back Haunted still a thing, or did you guys kind of put that? Came to bed? Back
1: Haunted has a farewell show coming up next month with a Forges and Plans. Um, Came Back Haunted was like my first band I formed when I got to Nashville, and we're we all kind of have grown doing different musical whatever, and so now we're all chasing our own other fashions and so we're having a farewell show that's mostly it's mostly for me just because I was like yeah. very emotionally tied to the music. But um yeah came back on it it doesn't do I mean we haven't played a show in months probably since late last year.
0: I remember like that's that's the band you had when we met you at Bloodfest.
1: Yep. Which and like- by the way, <laughs> Bloodfest is in like two weeks. Yeah, I know. I'm freaking stoked we're throwing um we're throwing a pre-party show the day before. Um, oh, really? In Kalamazoo, yeah. Oh, I okay. I put together this sweet bill. Um, I got a couple friends from Nashville coming up on it, Hawkins AV Club, and uh, the SSSR. And then we got uh, the Dana Scully from Indianapolis is on it as well. That'll be really cool. And uh, a couple of really good locals.
0: Are you doing uh, doing that like a house show? or? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh... Yep, it's at a house called Mute City, which is in like the okay. Vine district, Heard which is like Western student ghetto.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to like... I was thinking about like uh, messaging Bloodfest, but I'm not like prepared yet. But like, there's, I want to start getting on some of these like DIY festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this one called Sorrowfest coming up in like at the end of the summer. Sure. I messaged them. I was like, hey, let me come podcast from there. So like, I want to start like going to, cause you know, there's like, there's like Focella, there's Stoopfest, mm-hmm. there's Sorrowfest, there's all these little DIY things that are popping up. Yeah. So I'm like, wouldn't it be cool to like set up a table for the podcast and like, anyone like there's so many people in so many different bands that could come by i can do like rapid fire interviews with people like five minutes from like with yeah, this and person you could, from this and band you could and have then, like really fun interviews yeah with that Too like yeah
1: have like a random like collection of like fun questions and you ask like all the bands that yeah make like a collaborate collaborate yeah with that. that'd be super fun
0: yeah i think that'd be kind of tight or like um or i was thinking about trying to do it live too oh yeah so like live from our sorrow fest or whatever mm-hmm. you know but i honestly like I barely figured out how to get the podcast on, to, like, to where it's streaming.
1: Yeah, I saw you got it up on Spotify today. Yeah, right?
0: it's on Spotify now. But, like, that was such an involved process that I'm, like, kind of intimidated to try to figure out how to make it live, too. But I'm just kind of being lazy, honestly, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like... Because, like, that's... I, I did my first episode April, like, April 13th or something, and then I didn't do the next episode till like, May 6th. Because mm. I was just... Once I recorded the first one, I still didn't know how to actually get it online. Yeah. I just knew how to record it. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well now I did it. So I, I kind of going to look stupid if I don't <laughs> figure this out.
1: Well, and I mean, that's, I mean, that's like anything though, with, especially when we talk about DIY or, or uh, music scenes, it's, uh, I've been having conversations with people lately that will be frustrated about like, they don't have a band together or that they want to be more involved in the scene or something, but they're not. Yeah, And it really, what it all comes down to is like, on the music side of things, it comes down to being involved in the scene before you're playing in the scene. Yeah. And just kind of letting passion develop into what it turns into. So like, yeah. for instance, you're talking about like, you're like, I, I did the interviews and I was excited about it and I didn't really know what I was doing yet. But I mean, yeah. that's the beauty of it too. You yeah. know, that, that's really good things come from organic yeah passionate belief
0: well yeah i knew it was gonna go somewhere like i I knew that i was going to figure it out and now i'm at the point where i'm just on autopilot like i just bring in bands record them it's a system now it's it's like just knocking down the dominoes but like then i was just like okay there's a need for this i know i can do it i'm just going to force myself to do it and like recording an episode before i was ready to stream it was kind of like my way of forcing myself to learn how to do those other things too
1: yeah for sure and i mean too that that's good because if you didn't have not having it as an official thing right off the bat too like having an interview done but maybe not having everything up for it it lets you a get used to the process maybe get a couple other bands in and get used to how you want that process to be yeah and then go from there yeah so
0: i'm nervous for like the first the first band i get because it's naturally going to happen where like i don't maybe i don't have very good chemistry with them or they. They jump in to this or they they you know they'll reach out to me and say they want to do an episode but they just want to do it to do it and yeah. maybe they're not into the long form conversation type of thing maybe they expect like me to constantly just be like question after question after question yeah
1: yeah the interview style
0: yeah yeah and i'm just i know there's gonna be a weird one like it's going to happen oh, yeah. at some point and i'm just like uh, i mean
1: yeah you got your shit up on diy <laughs> tour postings where you, yeah you, you gotta be fielding all sorts of things that's like you go on diy tour postings and not just tour postings but i mean it just happens in all music scenes in general but like there's the people who are like in it for the community yeah and people who are in it for the friendships and the chemistry and things like that and then there's people who like they're like all right this is how i make my band a business and da, 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 da. yeah and then would you kind of have
0: to have a little bit of both but you can't be too far onto that business side of things oh yeah you have like. to have
1: both but like, like i i've ran into situations before where like i'll be at a show talking with people talking with other bands or whatever and the people when they're standing there they're so worried about like promoting their music in fr- like in in a conversation they're promoting their music and promoting what they're doing and stuff and it sounds like they're giving you a sales pitch rather than like for me when i'm playing shows and when i'm out doing my thing like my thing is going to be what I do during the 30 minutes of my set. Yeah. And okay. Here is, this is me promoting myself or whatever. And that I promotion itself, in my opinion, should just be do whatever you're doing really well. And you shouldn't have to talk about it. And so for me, when I'm at the show afterwards, or even if it's a show that I'm not playing, like, sure. I might say, yeah, I'm Kevin. If somebody says, well, are you in a band? I say, yeah, I'm in volleyball. But beyond that, I'm just there to get fucked up with my friends. And, <laughs> yeah. and that that's where my relationships have come with a lot of people is just the hanging out part of it and the thing that a lot of those business side bands don't necessarily think about is like by creating a close-knit friendship though there's this mutual understanding that i scratch your back you scratch mine we both know that we can help each other out right and by having like a truly personal bond with people like i mean one they're more apt to want to help you if they're your friend
0: yeah we talked about this when we were at fleetwood uh, I remember after that show, um, mm-hmm. like a couple months ago or whatever.
1: Yeah, the, uh, it was the Seaholm show down yeah. in the basement. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it was just like the thing that stuck out to me from that was just like people have to care about you if they're going to care about your music. Exactly. You know, like they're not going to care about your music if they don't care about you. If you're not like a famous band, it's it's almost like when it's, I've noticed like with local bands, it doesn't matter how good you are, like people want to know you. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, you can be a trash human, but if you're a famous band, there's like that level of disconnect. There's like a um, there's like a there's a certain level of like removal. There's like a, there's like a, a wall up between like um, the people and who they actually, like the bands, like, and then who they really are as people because you don't know them. You don't have like yeah. that same access to them as you do, like when you have like a local band. Mm-hmm. When you have access to somebody you really want to know them.
1: Yeah. Well, and too, like For instance, like, there's lots of people in the scene that obviously, like, I want to meet because they're doing great things and I know their name or I, I know their project, you know. But, like, something to always keep in mind is that, like, and this sounds like a very cliche statement, but... People who are making music or whatever that, that you may look up to or whatever, there's still people like you and I. Oh, for but, sure. You know, they still have a mom and a dad and they may live in an apartment or with their parents or whatever and, and they have their significant others and and you, so like for instance, the other day I met Arby who plays bass for Jetty Bones and oh, okay. we were chatting for like 20 minutes and then we just started saying like, oh, we're in these bands or whatever. They were like, oh yeah, I play in Jetty Bones. I was, for me, I was like, holy shit, I know Jetty Bones. Jetty Bones yeah. is a killer band. I've never had the chance to see them live Stream them on spotify plenty though and so in real i was talking to this person that like to me like i looked up to i looked up to their music i looked up to the project but regardless of how much i may have been fangirling inside right and, right right um how much you know i i obviously wanted to maybe impress this person or um make this person like really like me and i didn't i wasn't talking about my music i wasn't talking about like my if you will my professional right. side of things like i'm trying you want to have pre- personal relationships with these people but i mean that should go into all walks of life for you you know yeah I mean, even just talking about just like a general job you have obviously i want to have a good personal relationship with my boss because if i have a good personal relationship with my boss he'll let me go on tour and,
0: yeah and, you yeah know,
1: he'll help me in ways that only he can you know
0: right um that was kind of like what this uh podcast was for me it was almost because like i was thinking about it and i'm kind of intimidated by the idea of going to shows that i'm not playing and like just mingling with people because i'm not the most like socially outgoing person in in large groups like i'm not really i'm not great at like um like like you basically you'll just like go up to random strangers and be like hey i like your shirt and then you'll you'll end up you know making a connection that way for me i'm just like more in my own head But I that's why I like with this podcast, this is kind of my way of uh, of bridging that gap a little bit. So like if I can't go to a show that I'm not playing or like I'll sometimes I will, you know what I mean? I'm not I don't only go to my own shows, but like I'm not going to every show, you know what I mean? But if I can't do that, then maybe I can bring the bands to me and I can make these like personal relationships through one on one conversations and because that's. That's I'm way better at that. Way more comfortable with that.
1: So yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, it it can be difficult to just approach people randomly at a show, you know, outside. But like, I mean, as kind of fucked up as it is, that's one of the reasons that smoking cigarettes is such a (laughs) yeah. Because I mean. That's how uh my, my literally met my girlfriend was at a show in Akron, Ohio. Oh, really? Yeah. A house you called Bless This Mess, walked outside, saw a girl who I thought was pretty standing out on the porch, and I said, hey, can I bum a hey, cigarette off, off for you? Lady? And the rest is history from there. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I mean, that's also how I met Arby. Arby asked to bum a cigarette off of me while we were standing outside. Uh, yeah. It was another show in Akron. Um,
0: Yeah, dude. I mean, like, I know people that, well, I used to know people that they would just, they would carry a lighter on them. They didn't smoke.
1: Yeah, (laughs) you know what I mean. Just,
0: just oh, dude, I have friends who literally
1: who literally buy packs of cigarettes that don't smoke just so that that, so people can bum off them.
0: Yeah, I mean it's what seven bucks if you I mean if you don't smoke if you don't smoke seven bucks ain't nothing you know yeah
1: if you're like me doing a pack a day seven bucks
2: sucks
0: (laughs) yeah right dude I yeah I never I'm glad I never really got that deep into smoking like I'm like I'm like white girl levels of smoking where you know I'll smoke when I drink but like other than that I really don't but like. But I've always kind of envied that that about smokers because they it's- The social aspect yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what else is there at like a party? I, I can't think of anything else really
1: that- like, I mean, aside from noticing the guy's t-shirt and being like, hey, nice t-shirt and talking yeah, about the band. Yeah, yeah. But something to remember too, um, maybe that'll help. Because you're talking about like feeling anxious in, in a show situation and mm-hmm. being h- more harder to- just approach someone, but something to remember too is like if you're going to a show of music that you like or a scene that you enjoy being involved with, it, um, it's like-minded people are gonna. Oh, be for there, sure. You know what I mean? Like, I was having a conversation with Katie, my girlfriend, just because um she is talking about moving over to Michigan in the next. Shout few out to months. Katie. Shout out to Katie, <laughs> What's up girl. Um, but and you know we were talking about like this concept of like having you know, she was saying that she didn't feel like she, other than a few of my friends. Yeah. She obviously didn't have any of like her own friends. Cause it was a place that she's not familiar with or whatever. Right. Right. But it, it's the same way as like playing a show in a town that you've never played in before. Yeah. You maybe don't know anyone. The thing to remember is like, for one, the people in that scene, people want to keep their scene safe. People want to keep their scene inclusive. Yeah. So most of the people you're going to talk to at a show through the DIY scene are going to be very decent, kind people.
0: Yeah, if they have any familiarity with it, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, well, and and also, like, a lot of the times the scene will naturally, I don't want to use the word wean out, but people who make other people uncomfortable naturally get kind of pushed out of the scene. Yeah, yeah most of those time you're going to be talking to like-minded people, which is a comforting idea to know that when you walk up to someone and maybe start rattling, rattling off a few band names or someone who's in a touring band. And Oh, do you know this person from this place or this person from this place? Yeah. It's easy to start creating conversation based on those things. That's at least what I do. Yeah. i um just being able to talk about someone that you hung out with one time and they say, Oh yeah, I know that person. Yeah. Oh, they're such a sweetheart. And then, the conversation can get rolling from there and you can get to really in depth know a person. And from there it all unfolds. You
0: have like that internal motor though. I feel like that like (laughs) constantly propels you into social situations where it's like, I, uh, I'm more of like, I stand back. And then if a conversation comes to me, I don't shy away from it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, I set out to do a conversation (laughs) like podcast, you know what I mean? But like, I, I like to, Be in conversations that I want to be in, I guess. Yeah, but like at shows, yeah, I I've been in a lot of great conversations at shows and stuff. It's just that like some people, I guess it. I'm one of them. It's just more difficult to start them. But I do agree that like, and this is what I've told other bands, like, um, people who have hit me up to uh for advice on like where to play or you know um how to get into the scene or whatever, and I just tell them just go to shows, dude.
1: Well, yeah, and that the, the thing about DIY is you get as much out of it as you put into it. Yeah. So, like, I'm very fortunate in the fact that volleyball... I I popped up on my Facebook memories the other day. I went on my first tour a year ago, and I've been very fortunate that in this last year, volleyball has had a lot of luck in terms of going on tour, playing shows, meeting really cool people. Yeah. But me and the guys are all aware that it's because... We are trying to put in just as much as we want out of the scene. So putting shows together, even when you're extremely overwhelmed by them and and helping out a friend when they're in your town, you know, and doing things like you did for us last time we came through here. We didn't even play in Ann Arbor, but it was a halfway point between Lansing and Detroit. You let crash right on the floor that I'm standing (laughs) on now.
0: Yeah. that was that was interesting. Um, yeah. That was interesting, <laughs> especially
1: for me. I was tripping shrooms. So I was, was going to say, do you
0: want do you want do we want to mention like what how what that con- phone conversation was
1: before yeah, you got here? Yeah, we were in a McDonald's drive-thru. I was like, "Hey man, be there in like 45 minutes." Uh, you mind if I take a gram of shrooms right now just to take like, the edge yeah,
0: off? yeah, dude. Go for it, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. That was fun. There was a your popcorn ceiling was super fun that night. <laughs> yeah, right?
0: The <laughs> spackle paint or whatever. But yeah. That's funny, man. I I was just like I'm like, I got a fucking band in my house right now. Like I, I said yes and I like I don't regret saying yes. Yeah. But you don't realize what that's gonna look like until it happens. And I got a two-bedroom apartment. And you, yeah. you had you had like uh, a band plus one.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know? we had, I think we had five people with us on that. Yeah. But that's actually super uh fun thing that I just recently started doing is um my grandmother, she only lives like a block away from where I live, and she lives by herself and has a dog and aside from that though she has this like beautiful large house and so when my friends bands are coming through lately though i've been able to like let them crash there and what's nice is she has six mattresses oh shit so like i just had uh the last like the taj
0: mahal for a tour i know that's what i'm
1: saying last (laughs) last band that we had come through was uh guilt from florida um and uh, they're a they travel, they're a five piece and travel with five people. And I like it, we're walking down into the basement. And I was like, here you guys go. And I like turn on the light and there's like five like made up mattresses. I was like, grandma goes all out. Yeah. But yeah, those are the, those are the, um, fun. And those are, those are the things about, we're talking about like the personal relationships and the personal friendships with the yeah. DIY. Like, and I mean, it's not, it shouldn't be thought about in a business way. And that's kind of the point I've been trying to make though, is that these are your friends, the same, the same yeah, as a friend sure. that you want not have in the scene. You know, your buddy who you went to high school with that lives across town or whatever who wants to come hang out. So with maybe you night. think
0: about like your own band in terms of like the business thing, but you don't think about like the other people as like pawns. You know what I mean? Like you position your yourself and you position your band in a way that like benefits the business side of it, but you don't like try to position other people in a way that strictly benefits you.
1: Yeah, it's like-minded people in a like-minded society who want to to engage yeah. with each other you i've know, noticed too that involved. it's so
0: friendly that diy tour posting page and like if anyone's listening to this and
1: you don't know what that is dude go look like yeah diy tour postings on facebook
0: yeah close
1: group get fill out the application to hop on it and check it out yeah don't promote yourself though because that's a good way to get kicked off i've seen people do it it's yeah not fun
0: you gotta be pretty bad too like you gotta be pretty shameless like today i posted about my podcast but i made a point i'm like i'm not gonna i'm not even posting the name of the podcast in the body the point of this is to promote other bands like Mm -hmm. the point of this is to give bands like even if even oh we're drinking beers by the way but uh even if uh they come on my podcast and not very many people listen in my region it's still a chance for them to share with their followers um a long form interview where they can talk about themselves and like their followers can get to know them Yeah, on like a more personal level. Absolutely. And so like, yeah, it does benefit me because every band I interview is one more band that's in my network now, mm-hmm. but I, it, it's way too much work for me to be doing it just for that. You know what I mean? Like this is way too much work for me to only be trying to benefit myself. Like if I didn't enjoy this, I would not be taking time. Out well, of, exactly. You know? and,
1: and I mean, Things such as a podcast or a radio or music or painting or any type of art, um, in any medium that it may come along. Like, first and foremost, the thing that should matter the most is the passion and having fun. Yeah. Um, you know, I know lots of bands who get hammering at it really hard, and sometimes there's somebody in the band who's a little more driven than the rest, and you easily start to see members of the band that like, yeah, they're involved, but they're not really having a good time with it. Right. And it's important to like, remember that regardless, everybody wants to play a sold out room. No one likes playing to an empty room. Yeah. And everyone wants, you know, their music to be listened to and put on the radio or whatever. Right. And, you know, have these connections or whatever. But the first and foremost, you should be having fun with it. Like when I first, when I officially like put my foot down and I was like, all right, I'm going to be doing music. I, I gave myself like a five-year plan. Yeah. Now, at the end of the five-year plan, what decides how, I should say how I keep doing music, not if I keep doing music, but what decides on how I keep doing it is one, am I still having fun doing it? That's the first thing. Yeah. If I'm not having fun, if I don't feel passionate about it anymore, if it feels like more of a task than a chore, than an enjoyment, then I'm not going to keep doing it. Right. Um, and then- Two at the end of five years, I would like to be able to financially um be comfortable. Because I mean, right now, you know, the at the least star- livable. Yeah, right, right now it's the starving artist. You know, yeah, like you're just you're you're doing it because you love it, and you throw all your money at it, and yeah. But it's because you love it, and that's what you care about, and if that's what you care about, and you're willing to live in that way,
0: and you're young, you're like twenty one, right? Yeah, yeah. So when did you like start that that five years clock or whatever?
1: um almost like this summer it'll be two years ago oh, okay yeah yeah when i moved down to nashville was when i that was like the start of the five-year clock and nothing really started moving for probably six months and even at that we i lived in nashville for i think it was about six months before i even played my first show yeah that for that first bit was becoming organized getting to meet meeting people finding people who'd be interested in playing in a project so you just went to a lot of shows, basically, and just yeah. Like, well, I was really fortunate, though. Um, very good friend of mine, very talented audio engineer, um, named Jake Derrallamy. Uh, he's the drummer for a wonderful band called Beginning. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, that we we went on tour with them on our first tour, but uh, he him and I went to high school together. We played together um all the way through middle school and high school, and when I wound up dropping out of school, I dropped out of school purely because I wanted to go play music and I wasn't feeling content or happy with the life that was being paved in front of me yeah so dude. i when i moved down i moved in with him and from there i got I, w- I would go to a lot of beginning shows or just a show that he'd be like oh this show's happening these bands are so good yeah so it I started and i was very fortunate in that that i was able to tag along with him and his group of friends and that was how i met a lot of people from the scene and i mean i wound up jake one jake is the lead guitarist of came back haunted and um yeah he's a guitarist in beginning too right No, he plays drums in beginning oh i also stole not i shouldn't use the word stole um but uh josh from beginning as well he plays um
0: he plays the jazz master right
1: yeah he plays all the yeah yeah but he he writes a lot for that band and does a lot of the very rhythm stuff a lot of the in-depth writing um although they are more that was more early beginning now they're much more collaborative and have an amazing sound um but josh wound up playing bass and came back haunted um and then we have a had a very talented uh fellow named david abbott play drums in our first lineup okay all those guys are super super talented fellas and everybody's working on their own other projects now which is that's one of the reasons that came back haunted is having its farewell i mean i'm involved in volleyball and lame plus I'm about to start another math rock project in Kalamazoo,
0: oh yeah, 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 you're telling me about that yeah
1: yeah, um, and how then, did
0: how did like uh how did volleyball come about though originally
1: originally um so here's the here's the fun story about the founding of volleyball. I went to a beginning show actually at a record store called century twenty one in murfreesboro, and uh at that show, the bands that played on it were. The locals were pondering beginning, and then it was a crazy lineup because a lot of these bands wound up taking off. And in reality, there's only 30 people in the room. <laughs> um, retirement Party, Max Steel, and Tranquility, which Tranquility uh, wound up becoming some very good friends of ours. They're from Toledo, Ohio. They're amazing. I uh, heard of Retirement Party. Retirement Party, yeah. They're from Chicago. They're a really wonderful group of people as well. Um, but at that show, I was talking to. I mean, just talking to people at the show, but met a couple guys at the time, came back on wasn't really doing very much. I I was still very new to the scene, was still like trying to get shows and stuff. And um, Colin Bell and Austin Jones were both at that show. And I, you know, I was talking to them, I was like, Hey, you guys playing a band or anything? They're like, no, man. And talking about the kind of music we like, you know, bring up Jawbreaker, Joyce Manor, Prince, Daddy and the Hyena, stuff like that. Yeah. And they were all like, Oh yeah, I really love those bands. And I was like, you know, I've been thinking about starting this another band just because like i have a lot of free time and and i i wouldn't mind having another outlet uh would you guys be interested in like playing in a project and they're like oh i can't do like I, I play guitar I, I you know yeah and so i wound up having them over later that week and what was funny is about four hours before they came over i realized like i had nothing for us to jam on and so <laughs> i got really stoned And I went for a skateboard ride. And on that skateboard ride, I listened to all of Dear You by Jawbreaker straight down. And when I got back to the house, I was like, shit, I don't have any songs for this. And so it was like an hour and a half before they got there. And I real quick wrote five songs and just like ripped them out really fast. And it felt like they were coming really naturally though. And then the guys got there and we learned all of the songs. And when they, at the end of like, we ran through them twice in the two or three hours we were practicing and that was the first, like, form of volleyball. Which, what's interesting, is those five songs are actually the EP for Oh, okay. The stupid EP is those five songs that I wrote when I was stoned off my ass. <laughs> and um, we all, we the next week had a very talented guy named Garrett McNeil come play on drums. Which, um, you recall I was when when you came down to visit, I was booking yeah. at that place called Garage Bar. Yeah, yeah. Garrett was one of the partners in that, and um. Then, when we, when we first started the band, like the whole point of it was, we were just gonna be like a, a stoner punk fun novelty local band. Take you know? your shirt off. <laughs> yeah, but like we we weren't gonna tour, we weren't gonna record or anything like that. And then as time went on, some people started to, to actually like dig us, and I think a little bit more it was me personally. Like I became very
0: like attached.
1: Uh, attached and and i i i wanted to move it i really liked what we were making a lot and it got to be a little too involved for the other guys oh okay but what was really interesting was back at this time the band was actually not volleyball the band was the stoops which is why we called the the ep stupid oh Uh, at the time we were the stoops and then ding ding ding. (laughs) but then right after um I believe it was Colin and Garrett. They both were like, Hey dude, I'm sorry. I got like too much going on and I can't like commit to this band, which no hard feelings towards those guys. They're all really right, great yeah. guys, all very involved in the scene down in Nashville and down in Murfreesboro. Um, great guys. But it was really, really interesting. Cause like the day after that happened, I went to um, my buddy Donovan Reed. He, uh, I met him a long time ago when he was on tour with voyage and coma, which is this really wonderful hard, like hardcore band from uh, Baltimore. But he was on tour with, have mercy and yeah uh have mercy Kississippi gleamer and i cannot remember the last band that was on that tour but they were playing one of the uh big rooms in nashville and donovan hit me up earlier the day of the show and he was like hey man we're playing in town if you're able to come i'll guest list you and i was like oh dude that'd be sick so came out to the show hung out with them a little bit and then he went up to go play a set and i didn't know like anyone else there
0: the yeah time.
1: and uh so i was standing enjoying their set or right before their set started or whatever and I noticed that the guy next to me also wasn't, like, talking to anyone. And and so I just, like, leaned over and I, like, knocked him on the shoulder. I was like, hey, man, going alone to a show, huh? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, nice to meet you. I'm Kevin. And he goes, no shit, I'm Kevin. And oh,
0: so this is Kevin. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's how I met Kevin Hobbs yeah. was at that show. And then the next day after that, Joseph West um, posted on one of the local DIY pages and was like, yo, looking for a punk band to play with. And I, he had sat in with came back on a couple times. So I knew him and I knew he was a great drummer.
0: Oh, okay. And so. Yeah, that never happens. A fucking drummer falls out of the ether. Yeah, right.
1: We got lucky on that. And so I was like, you guys come on over to my place. Let's jam on Sunday. And so the two of them came over, learned the five songs that we'd been playing. And uh, then we went on. Austin uh, still played a couple more shows with us before he felt too overwhelmed yeah but played those uh and pretty much what i consider to be the first like volleyball show where we were kind of getting to the current lineup um was a show that we played with guilt and beginning and cheer up who's a really great band we're going on tour with them in july there are a bunch of really young guys who are very very talented oh sweet um but they that was this really crazy house show we played at um the og hollywood hollywood wound up having two locations in the end but hollywood hideout one of my favorite um house venues in nashville and yeah they ended up shutting down recently didn't they yeah complaints from the neighbors kind of thing yeah you sometimes can't beat it there was like if there's another complaint you will be evicted and it was like damn
0: hence the name of my podcast dude
1: yeah invite the neighbors right please come (laughs) everybody sit on the floor here but yeah that's more or less how volleyball came together and now though are the first the we we respect the original vision of volleyball but now it's much more a collaborative yeah thing you know um a lot of the songs are not written just like by me in my bedroom and then i bring the form to to rehearsal now right it's a lot more okay like somebody brings a riff and everything just kind of gets built off of that
0: and you guys are all in in kevin's band lame too right like yeah. is it all the same guys it's most of the same guys okay um
1: Clay does not play in Lame, but Clay isn't a really he he fronts a project called uh, Lily Flag, which is really great. Um, but Lame is myself, Joseph, and Kev. And then we have uh Kevin's roommate Jansen. He plays bass in Lame.
0: Oh, okay. Does Kevin play guitar? Um,
1: yeah, Kevin he leads the project, sings, and plays um rhythm guitar. I wind up playing leading that.
0: Where, oh, okay.
1: Yeah, and it, it's a lot of fun though. And actually we just recorded the first single that we're going to put out uh i want to say it was like two weeks ago oh that's sweet that that uh kevin he's got a really really great vision really great ear for things and so uh and also jansen very very talented talented guy i I would be happy to and uh, feel no shame in saying that he's a much more talented musician than i am yeah and yeah and and it's really fun working with them because they have such a solid vision and work ethic and they're able to put together these just absolutely amazing songs. And and it's fun because I, I feel like I can gloat about Lame because for me, like, Lame's not my project. I feel fortunate to be able to play in that project.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, the
1: music itself is almost almost completely out of my ability. Like, it, it's really, really difficult stuff. But it's super, super cool. And um, it, it's very, very different from volleyball, too.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Because you guys are more of, like, a straightforward, like, punk band. Like, sometimes you'll do, like, some cool like uh hammer on pull off sort of things. Mm-hmm. Like so sounds like open tuning, but you're not an open tuning. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like American football ish type stuff, but like really more like straightforward. punk. Yeah.
1: We, we definitely like take a lot of influence. I, I can't talk about jawbreaker enough. Jawbreaker is definitely my main influence for that band. And it's this just idea of like stoner punk emo, like yeah, just, yeah. you know, really fast driven music with emotionally heavy lyrics. So um, I wanted to get into a little bit like, because we'll go on
0: tangents and then we'll never get to like what I'm supposed to be talking about. (laughs) What I said this podcast was going to be about, uh, I want to get into like the touring stuff. Sure. And so one, what is like, what has been your favorite tour? And like, what has been like your, like your favorite spots to play like out of state,
1: my favorite spots to play. Three awesome shows come to mind. Um, We played a really neat show on our last run, which was a Midwest loop, um, at a place called Hannah's house, um, which is in Indianapolis. It was like a very small like living room, but they had like incredible, like light and production value. Um, what was great about the show though, is that everybody was just so into it. There was like probably like 40 or 50 kids there. Nice. But like I said, it was a small living room. So everybody was like packed in there. Uh, be fun literally for five bands straight the whole room just went off like it was just like a constant push pit the whole time people huh, were wow. having an absolutely great time being very good to each other decent human beings um I got to finally meet Dana Scully in person that night which was super super cool who's that um, Dana plays in a really sick band called Dana Scully and the Tiger Sharks I actually just saw her Sunday she played in Akron um she was on tour with Caving um but they played this incredible the, the the show was absolutely incredible everybody's very welcoming um kit uh he plays in a talking about uh really awesome like surf rock surf punk i should say <laughs> surf punk yeah and um he wound up letting us crash with him that night and i mean we just all hung out till three in the morning that was a really great show um other places i like we played the bingle mansion in lansing um that night we met american spirits and the phones and ship and sale. oh yeah yeah uh and wound up becoming great friends with all of them Amer the american spirit boys have been so helpful for me in a lot of ways connor is their drummer connor allen he is the ultimate like person when it comes to diy booking like he just knows how to do it he booked all of he booked oh, really? the focella. he put all really him and, along with his team which was the american spirit guys and um floor candy and the people who help run the summit check um they put the whole festival together like festival held at howard's free festival like 900 people came out to it and it it, like that room 900 is like was pushing capacity like oh yeah it was super super cool um but we met so we met those guys at the bingle mansion and the phones they're from chicago um the people involved with american spirits and the phones uh have this really cool um like video and media uh group called uh loon loon productions um and i and i mean they 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 actually wound up doing all the videos for focella and they're just all very very talented people and obviously you know colin Collins yeah a sweetheart we played with him the last time we came through um
0: he's a sweetheart who listened to d m x when he was two years old, yeah,
1: <laughs> but he's a yeah, that a was that a was badass. really cool show, and it was nice to meet everybody. And uh, Conrad uh, runs the Bingle Mansion. I haven't talked to him in a hot minute, but I mean, everybody at that show was super super nice. We crashed on their couch. They, you know, made sure the touring bands got taken care of, which you know sometimes you go to a show and it might be donation based or whatever, and that so and it's not the house's fault or any of the band's fault when you, the touring band can't get paid but you know yeah sometimes it's weird because like i can step in here because i've
0: ran a few house shows and it especially like when a lot of people are coming out or people i know personally it can be really uncomfortable to like ask for money basically it's like you can post about it like in advance and say hey you know we want donations for the touring bands but a lot of times people coming out they don't always understand what how the diy culture works yeah you know what i mean and
1: and like When I was in Nashville and I was booking a lot of shows there, most of the venues were fine. I used to it was a five dollar cover. Even though there are house shows, I always put five dollar cover on any show that I
0: would it's more easier it's easier to just say five dollar cover than it is this donation stuff. But I feel like when people are doing it out of their house, Mm -hmm. it's there's like a legal gray area. Oh yeah, people get really concerned
1: about it. And I mean on top of that, like fire codes and stuff. And if for some reason the cops do come bust up a show like the people yeah the people (laughs) who are living in that house and running those shows they're they're liable and so like i get the concern for sure um but like you know i put on a show not too long ago and it was a donation-based show, and it was a venue I never booked at before. So they asked that that I do it donation-based, and I said okay. And, you know, all throughout the night, I wound up playing a solo set that night, and so during my set, I was like, "Yo, donate to the touring band. They're a long ways from home. You know, take good care of them." um And my friends who were in the last band, they did a really good job of making note to you know donate, you know, take care of them. And, yeah. But I talked to the touring band afterwards. They're like, "Yeah, dude, we made thirteen dollars." And and it's not just like the thing about <laughs> DIY is it's not a it's not a stingy community. Like it's not, these people aren't out here trying to like make money. Right. Yeah, but like gas costs money, food costs money. All these people take off work for a week or two or however long to be able to, to go out and do it. And yeah. so when you, when you donate to a band or when you pay that $5 cover charge, you're the, where that money is going. I don't know any house venues that literally will take anything off the top. Yeah. I've the never money have. goes completely to the bands. A lot of the time it'll go, mostly to the touring bands
0: i've only ever given money to touring bands i'm pretty sure
1: oh yeah me me i if there's a lot to go around and i mean a lot to go around i'll try to give the locals a little something yeah but um for the most part taking care of
0: whistle a little bit
1: yeah which actually that brings me up to the uh the third place that was one of my favorite places we played um tampa florida we played i don't want to mess up the name of this place i believe it was micro grooves is the name of the record store um, I can't recall, but, uh, my buddy, Luis Espel, uh, friends, the band Spork and put this awesome show together and like people came out, they did like a five or $7 door. And, and on top of the fact that like getting to play to a full room and, and having the show that you didn't know how, if it was going to be set up or not, and to have a friend truly come through like that. was yeah. great. And then also at the end of the night, like they paid us and, and to be honest, like that, show and what we got paid on that show that was pretty much was what funded the run because i mean you're lucky if one oh okay you're lucky if like one out of five shows actually like takes care of the daily expenses
0: yeah because
1: there's there's i mean for like for volleyball we we try to travel as as minimalistic as possible right like because of because as you say i travel i travel in a truck that i call a van yeah um (laughs) You know we're, you pack we pack it in though, man. We do, and we, we travel with five people. U um, haul their smallest cargo trailers, fifteen bucks a day. So we. That's not that bad. It's not bad. So we 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 travel with the cargo trailer so that we actually have like room to exist in yeah. the truck. And um, but between that, uh, I try to give out like a per diem for food and all of that. Like our daily expenses come up to seventy bucks, which we don't we don't expect anyone to you know be fronting that money we we hope that one one of the ways that we think about it we we've been just doing CDs for ever and the cds are yeah. just they're, they're they're just walmart burnt cds we did, did get, ourselves and we, it's donation based we we just put them out and we put a box behind it that says donations and the way we see it if people like us they like the music we made they like us as people whatever yeah they'll take a cd they'll throw a couple bucks in the box and sometimes that's worked out super well and did you guys ever do
0: anything like creative like
1: when you're not playing a
0: show but you're on tour like like during the day to try to make money did you ever like do busking or we've never
1: done busking but that's usually just because we haven't had time we've talked about it um we and we we've attempted to like do different interviews and stuff just to keep make make the most out of a run you know yeah make as much content as possible and um yeah that makes sense as many people we have we we've done it old school before though where we've like stood outside of a popular place in town and handed out flyers we've totally Uh done that before and that actually the one time that actually worked
0: but when when it comes to touring like because i've been thinking about this for myself as i like i'm not ready to tour by any means like i still need to like work on getting a set of music together and all that but with my job being a a monday through friday nine to five Mm -hmm. i'm gonna have to be really strategic about how i go about touring and stuff and one of the things i've thought about is that it might be really nice to be able to do weekends because think about it when you go on tour your best nights are usually going to be your fridays and saturdays Mm -hmm. so like when you tour how like how much of it is based around like um certain days of the week and like do you think like that there's a perfect length of a tour for a band starting out or do you think the longer the better or
1: um it all really depends when you're for a new band who hasn't who does who doesn't have anyone in the band who has touring experience and maybe doesn't have connections in other towns yeah or um just guys who are all new to it period um weekenders are a really smart thing to do because I don't like to say like talk about like bars and like built-in crowds but um people will like Fridays and Saturdays are are your good nights people are more likely to come out to a show on a Friday or a Saturday yeah um when volleyball first started most of our runs were only our first run was three days our second run was four days our third run was five days and all of those were like friday saturday sunday thursday friday saturday sunday yeah you know um and when when we do the longer runs i do plan them based around like one thing we've been doing a lot of or at least planning for a lot of is like 10 day runs, nine to 10 day runs. Yeah. And when we plan them though, the idea is to start on like a Thursday or a Friday. Yeah. And you, what you, what we do is we go through that first weekend, go through the whole next week and go through the next full weekend. Yeah. And that nice. way that you have the the weekend dates. And when we are booking a tour, we will strategically try to play a very specific town on a Friday night.
0: Yeah. Um, sometimes maybe like a new a, a new city for yeah you guys. and usually
1: usually it's one of two things when we do that either a it's a new city with new territory that we're just trying to meet people in and friday saturday night more likely people are going to be there or two it's a town that we have played before and like the town totally went off and it was awesome yeah and so we want to have that again right and and so we'll go yeah because I was, I
0: was talking to past life from philadelphia like during the first episode mm. and i was like how much like how do you weigh these two things like one how do you weigh trying to go to a new city versus trying to go to go back to a city that you did really well in and like kind of solidify that that market for yourself yeah you know right. what i mean
1: so the nice thing about the weekenders and starting with weekenders is that y- you start in the towns that are nearby your home base yeah so like in Nashville. You know Memphis.
0: That's nice because you're pretty centralized there. Oh actually. yeah, that's super
1: nice. I mean, we can going up to Michigan is just as far as going down to Florida. Yeah, like it's great. But and we're also in this just really nice little alleyway of like Midwest and yeah. West
2: emo. Yeah.
1: Um. But you know, for us, our the close towns are like Chattanooga, Atlanta, um Huntsville, Birmingham. If you want to stretch out to it, Memphis. And, and so what you do on those first set of weekenders is you play those nearby towns. And at that time, you're when, when you're first starting, that is new territory. You're breaking into it as new territory. But then when you start planning runs that are further away, your first date should be one of those nearby towns, you know? So yeah. if I'm going to go out west from Nashville and I want to go play out in Texas or whatever, first place I'm going to stop is Memphis. And hopefully we've played there three or four times, have at least a small following. Yeah. And you go play that show. And, and and that's kind of yeah, that
0: gives you a little bit. That's of how money I too. think
1: of it with touring as well too. Though is like every time you go out, the idea is that you just try to spread your distance a little further each time. Yeah. So every time you should be the first set of towns and maybe the last like set of towns creating
0: a web, kind of. You know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and and the first, you know, three towns, the last three towns, or whatever are more than likely places you've played before. And then yeah. like usually like the middle spots, you'll try to put one of those dates on a Friday and a sa- or a Saturday, you know, but th- those further away spots, are you breaking into new territory? But then when you go on tour in that direction, next time you've already played those cities, hopefully have a few friends there and yep. it just is ever expanding and ever moving. So, yeah.
0: And so what I was thinking too, is uh, what I was curious to ask was like, with your experience touring, Do you know, does anything come to mind as far as like maybe mistakes you've made and like things, things that you didn't know when you started touring that you're glad, you know, now?
1: Yeah. Um, I have a set of rules that I follow when we like, it has less to do with like, it has less to do with like, while you're on tour, it has more to do with the planning. Okay. So the first rule, the, the simple rule, and anyone who wants to know how to tour, listen up. This is how I do it. At least. I always start booking a tour at minimum three months in advance. I usually shoot for three to five. More than five months out, a venue or other bands, they don't know what's going to be going on at that time. Hell, those bands might not even be together anymore at that time. Yeah, yeah. So you don't want to shoot much over five months, but you don't want to shoot under three months because under three months, the venue's already booked it's yeah. hard bands are already booked and it's just hard to get harder to yeah. get a show together.
0: Um, I mean, I do that for local shows. I try, I'm usually that far out.
1: Yeah. And especially when you're asking like a friend to put it together for you when you're maybe not putting it together yourself, you have a contact in that town who's a good friend and they, they are like, yeah, I'll put the show together for you. You want to give them like three to four months so yeah. that they can have the time to properly put it together and not be stressed out. Cause you gotta remember if they're, if they're stressing out, they're not stressing out for their personal gain at all. They're stressing out. Right. Right. You, you know, um, so that's like the first rule that I follow. Um, another rule, and a lot of bands follow this, my personal goal is never to travel more than like three to four hours from one town to the next town. Okay, A lot of bands will stretch out a little further, go five hours, maybe six. Um, we The f- first tour I ever went on, our last drive, which I mean, granted, sometimes this happens because it, it was the end of the tour, but our last show was in New Jersey. And then we had to drive all the way back to Nashville, which is a 14-hour drive.
0: Fuck, man.
1: And in terms of like thinking about gas expense, thinking about people's sanity and powering through that, you know, that's a lot. But as a goal- It's not like you're
0: just in the, like spreading out in the front seat either. You got five people.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, we're very fortunate that- we are we're not completely cramped in the van but we're fortunate that we've never had to sleep in the van. We've always been fortunate that we've had a friend like you yeah. who has let us crash at their place <laughs> and um you know put us up for the night. And that that that's a really fortunate thing. Um other simple rules I mean one is exactly that to never crash at a place that you have to pay. So I mean I know lots of bands that will always sleep in the van before they go stay at a Airbnb or yeah, you know wherever hotel else
0: hotel or something.
1: Yeah. um other than that though, the biggest advice I have for anyone who is out touring is um I I I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this passionately and wholeheartedly. Um don't be the douchebags that stand outside during all the other band sets. Oh yeah. Um go, like when you're in a new town These are all new faces and new people to meet. You are missing a complete opportunity by not going and making the rounds and saying hi to everybody and listening to the other bands and, and connecting with them about through the medium of music and DIY.
0: Yeah. That's why you're there.
1: Yeah. And so, and that, that's my biggest piece of of advice. I'm still learning. I've only been on the road for a year. So, I mean, I, I definitely don't have the answers or anything on that, but in my experiences, that's, uh, that's what I've learned the most. Um, and, and if you try to. Really plan that way. The reason that we plan in that fashion is because no one wants to lose a whole lot of money on tour. And if you if you book it smart and you book it like that, a lot of the times at the very least you'll at least break even. And even if you don't break even, everybody at the end only has to throw in like twenty bucks. Yeah, and you know you're not killing yourself after having taken a week off of work, right? (laughs) And and not getting a paycheck that next week and all all of that, you know.
0: right but yeah so okay so i'm kind of curious like now so you're you're living in kalamazoo now right mm-hmm. so what's what's it been like being in a band that's based in nashville but being living in kalamazoo so is volleyball kind of like on on, on hold or are you still doing all? lot no of stuff no no, no
1: we're not on hold at all um we just tracked an ep or not an ep uh, a split uh that we're putting out the day of Bloodfest, may 25th
0: all right with silver age right
1: yep with silver age they're coming who,
0: on here at some point are they heck, yeah talk to them
1: <clears throat> that'll be a fun conversation evan and evan and drew are very uh per, they have great huge personalities I'm looking sure forward great to it to man to. um but uh we're with silver age sleepless who is from um jacksonville florida and um Cacophony, which is another Nashville based band. But like we recorded that split very recently. Um Did so you guys much, all record it separately and then just throw it together? No, actually we um it's a lot of planning. We we have to plan things out like super far in advance. Yeah. Like volleyball is planned out and booked out like three to four months out right now. Yeah. And that includes every recording session, every writing session, every tour, every local show. Um We've with me living up here, we've had to make a set of rules because, I mean, I have my job. Um, I work like a Monday through Friday eight to five kind of thing. Yeah, um, I'm here. But what we have done is if it's a Friday or a Saturday show and somebody hits us up and, you know, especially a lot of times it's like a touring band saying, hey, we're coming through. Will you guys play with us um, on those shows? We'll try to hop on and we try to play one every month or two. And then gotcha. We have all we have the tours for the rest of the year planned right now in terms of routing and in terms of like when they're going to be so it's just a matter of booking those and when we go on tour we all just make sure we take the time off work i drive on down with the truck pick them up we do the run drop them back off in nashville come on back up to michigan
0: oh okay uh, but it's really not that bad of a drive like seven hours from here
1: it's about nine and a half from kalamazoo okay yeah um and but it's not terrible in my opinion i mean one i drive for my job so yeah i'm used to driving it doesn't bother me to drive
0: yeah 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 i could see that
1: and then um with everything being like really well planned out though and my, my boss let is very flexible and helpful um but with us planning things out in advance we we the nice thing is we all have a really solid game plan we know what we need to be working on and we understand that our time together is very limited Um literally on the way over here i had a two-hour drive to come over here today and i was on the phone with joseph the whole time oh really we talk just making sure that we were organized and um but heading down to nashville is not has not been terrible and
0: i've done that drive a couple times you're like i've done it 19 times in the last <laughs> six months but. it feels like it dude it feels <laughs> like
1: it but yeah it um man there's one more point i was gonna make with that and i can't remember what it was oh and i it's actually more um it actually works out better with me living up here right now in a few ways though, just because like when I was living down there, you know, Nashville cost of living is super high and it, it, it yeah. Compared be hard to, to KZU especially. Yeah. And, and the job that I'm working at here now I had before I moved down to Nashville, I knew it was a super flexible job. It, the pay is much better than what I was getting when I was down South. Yeah. And so I'm able to fund the project better from up here. And even though I can't be down there and, you know, We can't have weekly practices like we were having before. Right. Like, I'm still able to... I'm able to... I feel like I'm able to give the band a lot more and give it, in a lot of regards, give it more attention, give the booking more attention and stuff from being up here, so...
0: It's almost like you want to... And this is something that I do now that I'm learning how to do, but it's like blocking off your time. And instead of trying to do a million things at once, like, say, I have, like, this podcast and then I have my band. But, like, I don't try to do everything at once. I'll... Like, I focus... Like I go head first into the podcast and I book a bunch of bands. I figured out how to do um, the streaming. I got it. I got everything. I did the website. I didn't even worry about in a daydream at all. Mm-hmm. And then now that I got this on autopilot, I'm going hard into in a daydream and just writing and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? so it's like, I feel like it's beneficial to maybe put all your energy into getting the volleyball set ready, practicing it religiously, Doing all that. And then now that you kind of have that on lock, you're able to come up here, make some money, put all your energy into something else, and it yeah. still benefits you guys. Oh, yeah. It's just like A- being smarter about how you use your time and like yeah, compartmentalizing yeah. It,
1: it. Yeah. Knowing what you're going to do, time management is super, super important. Um, I, I mean, if you're not organized trying to do this stuff, you'll, you'll lose your freaking mind. I'm currently slightly disorganized, and last week I have been losing my mind. Yeah. So, yeah. So You
0: know, it's funny too, because like people will look at, uh people like within like the the music community in general like they're covered in tattoos they're college dropouts you know they're chain smokers and all this stuff and they might they might not realize they probably don't realize how fucking organized these people are like I how mean, driven how organized like how meticulously business minded they are like it it really it's amazing to me they're some of the most organized people that I've ever met
1: well and I can tell you why that exists though is because the people are doing something they really care about like most of the people who are going to be college dropouts probably dropped out because they fucking hated their lives yeah like i i know when i was in school i hated what i was doing man i hated being there every day i just wanted it to end um and now that i'm doing something that i actually give a shit about yeah a very large shit i care (laughs) a lot about it you know and and um because i want good things to come of it and that this is probably the only thing that I, I I'm so deeply immersed in and, and care about so much. I I'm even if I'm not the most organized person, I'll force myself to be organized and yeah. force myself to make the things happen because it's something that I want to have.
0: Well, like the mind will kind of organize itself around the things that prioritizes. I feel like,
1: yeah, yeah. And that, and that's what's important to remember on all that. I mean, everyone, regardless of what your passion is, this is not talking about music community at all. I mean, you know, there are people who are people who are really good businessmen, just really passionate about money man you know yeah and, yeah and but you know if that's what they're passionate about that's what they want to accumulate a lot of or or that's where they want to be successful they're going to make that happen yeah and the same goes uh for anything else any type of career or people who want to travel or whatever you know people who want to travel they're gonna work themselves to death so that they can save up enough money to go do those ventures
0: yeah
1: anyone anyone who everyone gives a shit about something yeah, and, and so it, um, regardless cool, of who you, you figure are, out what, that
0: is, and turn it into like your your life goal, you know.
1: And I really think that most, and I uh, I think a lot of people really should be more concerned with their passions because you know, not not to talk about societal whatever, but you know, all through we're high not school, high.
0: By the way, I can't speak for Kevin, but I'm not high. I,
1: I, I'm sadly not right now. Either, <laughs> but,
0: you know, we all are through, talking about society you
1: know? <laughs> all through high school. You're told, you know, go to college or at least go get some type of vocational degree, you know, in, in, um, yeah, in, in um, you know something like welding or, or metal working or you know you know uh some type of or like sorry trade job is the word i was looking for yeah yep um but you know we're, we're told that these are things we need to do and it'll create stability for us and we're all told you know when we get out of high school you know right off the bat going to college and they try to give you incentive to do that you know hey kid here's a scholarship for coming in your first year right out mm-hmm. you know and and you know yeah they'll give you
0: like uh 20 percent of the ride for the first year or something well and, and then you then it's like you're still you're and on top stuck. of that you know
1: you got your parents and stuff at home who are going to be telling you no don't take a year off and want you to go straight into it and you know yep. and, and everyone does it out of love because they want you to be successful or whatever but then you wind up having a bunch of people who in my opinion are slaves to society like that genuinely hate their lives yeah, but they're dude. doing what they were told to do they're motivated by fear yeah and it's a motivation of fear or or pleasing others and that's in my opinion, not the way to live at all. Like I tried going that track for like three years, got so deep in it, realized how much I hated it. And like now, even though like, yeah, money might be a little more tight. No, I don't have a degree to show like anything like that. I'm currently the happiest I've ever been in my life. And even when I'm stressed, I'm not even mad about it because I know what I'm working towards is something that I care about. And I really think that there's a lot to be said for people in general who really immerse themselves into their passions. And even if that's something that's very much just a hobby, like it's not like, obviously with music, you know, to some degree you are trying to commercialize yourself and brand yourself. Absolutely dude. But like people who even just have their hobby, you know, painting by themselves and they don't, they never sell anything or, you know, they draw for themselves or there's lots of very talented musicians and even bands who literally never play out of the basement. Like they, they only play,
0: Well, for me, there's nothing more attractive in a person than passion. You know, I want to see someone's passion, whether that's you're making fucking birdhouses or you, you know, or you're creating beautiful music. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see in every person, I want to see what they're passionate about. Sure. You know, like I, I hate small talk and I'm now I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but I hate small talk because no one's actually passionate about the weather unless you're a fucking weatherman. So why are we talking about the weather? You know what Man, I mean? I'm just telling
1: you, I can, I can tell you most of the cloud types, but continue.
0: Yeah, it's just like, why? <laughs> why, why Like, let's talk about what you're passionate about. Like, I want, those are the things I want
1: to know. Those and are that's the things that point. get me fired up. I want to know where you're fired up. About, um, about you know? like, how society sometimes will stifle that is you've seen it before when somebody starts talking about something they like really, really care about or that really interests them. And then like when they really get going, they'll be like, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, you know, like, Oh, because so, they got excited. Like, Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, what, we're supposed to be neutered know, or something. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, that's really fucking terrible that, that yeah. we, that there are people who literally feel that way about being excited about something. Yeah. Cause maybe they were told not to be excited about that by whether it be a family member or, well yeah just somebody who called it stupid at one time when you're a
0: little kid and you got quote-unquote adhd and they tell you to sit still you know what i mean like yeah man this is the, the, like i actually i can make us sound like less stoners and i'll, I'll relate this just like a psychological concept that i learned in college but uh it still is the same shit please but, do like, i dropped out of
1: college by yeah, the way yeah, so yeah, i probably yeah, don't well, know i this got lesson. a degree
0: it's right fucking there
1: oh hell yeah <laughs> but,
0: uh, but no i was i studied psychology and like one of the things that i focused on was uh educational psychology and um the sort of myth of learning disabilities not that there's not learning disabilities but it's really more of a educational system disability It's a classroom disability because we have these classrooms and we have and that's a that's just like a microcosm of society in itself like to put this this uh this classroom that is designed for one particular type of learner to succeed um, and if you can't succeed in that classroom where it's very straightforward, structured, then you are looked at as maybe less than. Yeah. Whereas there's the truth is there are so many different types of learners that can succeed in so many different ways. Like there's been CEOs of companies that had learning disabilities, quote unquote. But it's just because people's minds work in different ways. Not everybody learns best in a lecture style format
1: oh yeah dude i mean right now our current our current educational system all the way up and through the one size fits all yeah it's one size fits all it's uh for the most part standardized testing and you are through the school system you are trained how to be good at standardized testing but it's also kind of fucked up that all the way through high school like you're being told like hey this is like this this is i i need you to learn how to do you need to learn how to do well on the standardized test. It's not yeah. learning for knowledge necessarily. You're learning how to do well on the test because the test is your grade, your grade is your degree and yeah. your degree is your career or whatever. And so, and, and you know, sure. Uh, and it's not to say that the the system that they've come up with doesn't work for 80% of people or whatever, you know, the ma- a majority. But it doesn't but,
0: allow people to find what they're passionate about. Well, you yeah, and it I mean? doesn't
1: allow. I, I think that because of standardized testing, it really does stifle. Um, stifle people like actual just grasping pure knowledge and and being passionate about knowledge like i can remember like niche knowledge too like specialized shit yeah it's like so it's funny you talked about the weather a little bit ago and and how like you know unless you're uh you're a meteorologist whether you care about that or not but it's actually really interesting the my favorite class i took in college was it was a geology class i believe and when i say geology i'm not referring to rocks. (laughs) Um, and in that class, the way that the professor presented and engaged, I, I wanted to be there. I wanted to learn the knowledge. It wasn't standardized testing. There wasn't a quiz or I wasn't, it wasn't lecture based. I wasn't like taking notes every day or whatever it was him like taking us outside and like showing us things and making it interesting and and little hands on activities or whatever and yeah. sure I'm in college, and maybe that's very childish that I enjoy hands on activities but right right like I learned so much from that class and also like classes that they attempt to truly apply it to the real world in a way that that like truly connects with you um I had a um Josh Smith was the professor's name in my um quantitative reasoning, uh, philosophy course. And he had these really cool, like equations that showed you how to like break down any real life situation, put it in numerical value and decide like which, what decisions you can make that were the most likely to be successful decisions. And so like literally things that were as simple as what do we want to eat tonight? okay, I want Mexican. So we say we want Mexican. Okay. What Mexican restaurants are in town? Okay. So we'll say that there's the cheap out option of Taco Bell. There's the local home cooked, um, you know, mom and pop Mexican joint. And then there's, I don't know, Qdoba or Chipotle. Or something, yeah. Right? Yeah. And then he, he would break it down saying like it takes, so we're going to put a numerical value on like how much happiness you'll get. Okay. So like Taco Bell, you'll get 0. 0.4 happiness. Um, <laughs> Q-doba, you'll get 0.6 mom and top mom and pop place so the, with the top of the line whatever you'll get 0.8 okay and then we talk about how much each one's going to cost then we talk about like maybe how far away the drive is um if there's going to be a weight while you're there and yeah. you put all of it into this like numerical value
0: creating like a ratio yeah and then
1: there was this equation that you could break down and it would come out as decibel points and whatever like the highest decibel point was that was like the most logical decision to go with. And that was the coolest thing to me. I've like legitimately used that equation in my day-to-day life for like six man. months. Cause I thought it was so fucking cool. Yeah. And I found that amazingly enough, my life got a little better when I did. But yeah. 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 Dude. You know, it's, you know, and, and that's, I, I, and I have true hope I should say because of professors like Josh and oh, my professor from my geology class, whose name is escaping me at the moment, but th- those teachers and professors They care so much about the students and and wanting them to truly engage that they go out of the way and yeah, they still make sure they do well on the standardized test. I remember in both of those classes, I did better in most of my other classes and most of my other classes were two hour lectures that I was sitting in and yeah, might take notes or might take a nap, who knows which, but right. I don't know. You just got me heated. Well, boy.
0: so here at Invite the Neighbors, not only are we learning how to tour, we are learning how to fix not only the educational system, but society as a whole. Um, So there, there's that, dude. Yeah, I guess, um, man. No, but I just, I, I think it all goes back to just like, you know, society isn't really designed to help you find what your passion is. So the people, you have to take what appears to be drastic measures sometimes to pursue your passion. If, if your, your passion is in the arts. Sure. And especially when there's no college course for, uh, indie punk, you know what I mean? There's, you know, there's fine arts where you can study Mm -hmm. jazz. You can study all these other tips, different types of music, but you don't study math rock or you don't study, um, you know, you know what I mean? You don't study. And and you're bringing up a really great
1: point, actually. Um, you know, with those types of courses, you know, it's about, being very technical and um you know following very like clear guidelines on how to play and stuff but and there is definitely something to be said about that um i have a very good friend jeremy whistler he's been going to school as a um jazz drummer Uh, recently got hired on like doing like a six-month cruise playing in a jazz band like it's super cool tight (laughs) And, and and you know that i mean that it paid off because that's countless of hours of him in a practice room, you know, and I have a lot of respect um yeah, but I also that really does hinder a lot of kids who are just feeling something purely art based um and when I say purely art based, I mean if purely from within um and they're creating for the purpose of creating it's not necessarily about about being great at it. I have lots of friends who, are such like emotional, passionate people who may not truly know how to play the guitar or play the guitar well, but they sit in their room and they practice and play to themselves and they get good at what they're writing yeah because they give a shit about it and so no they might not be able they might not be able to tell me a lick of music theory they might not be able to do very technical things
0: you're describing me dude
1: yeah <laughs> yeah but but that's the thing like those are my favorite types of artists and and sometimes you are able to fully recognize them when you see them play but also it really doesn't matter how technical they are they're if they're putting something out that gives you an emotional response i mean that is more that's, than enough that's
0: what i love about music man
1: yeah and it communicates across leaps and bounds you know who gives a shit if their finger picking technique is wrong am i fucking sobbing Don't i think that's all that sh- really
0: matters. yeah dude all right real quick i'm gonna piss and then we will get into like uh the one question we had and then we'll make sure that you're able to put out all your links all your uh anything that you want to promote blah 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 oh, okay cool and then um play us a song cool Put a forth done. Yeah, we're rolling now. So, yeah, I was talking about uh, Mike from Summer Brews. We were, not here. we were talking. I just hit him up out of the blue because I saw him with you at the ball pit. <laughs> at the ball pit? Yeah, yeah. Remember, they played with Seahome. Uh, oh, yeah, Summer ball Bruce pit. Okay, that, that was show. the name of the house. Yeah. Got it, got it. Yeah. yeah, so Summer Brews played that, and then I was just randomly, like, this was a few days ago, maybe a week ago, and I'm just thinking, you know what? I'm going to stop waiting for bands to come to me, and I'm going to stop trying to just book my friends, and I'm just going to, if I see a band i'm going that i recognize or in any way i think it'd be cool to have them i'm just gonna message them as you so, should so sunbrews was the first one jetty bones is another one that i thought of honestly uh, i'm, I'm no, watching jetty for bones them would be great i'm watching for them like next time they come through michigan or like you know um it would
1: be a good one to talk to are, from uh lansing what's that you try to get a hold of greet death
0: greet death i was just gonna say Greek death because i was uh i was just recording at wonder studios with nick diener and he did the Greek death album oh okay Hell so yeah. we were talking about Greek death and i was thinking about getting nick on too because Nick's an awesome fucking guy. He's That'd in the tight. Swellers. If you've ever heard of the Swellers, I haven't heard of the Swellers, no. Yeah, there's a little bit uh earlier than your generation, which is fucking weird to say. <laughs> but I was uh I graduated in 09.
1: Yeah. I, I gra- graduated graduated from college or high school in 09, dude. High school, dude. I graduated from high school in 15, man.
0: Yeah, dude. Wow, you little <laughs> I fucking babysat you for, for cash, dude. But no, but no, so long story short, Nick Diener was in the swellers from my hometown uh. um and then they were a really successful i mean moderately successful on a relative scale sure um but they were they toured the country um they toured with like all my favorite bands early november motion city soundtrack uh, oh wow you know every time i die like they know they've, they've toured with a ton of bands that's super cool and so now nick has a, a studio out in chestnut michigan up near the saginaw area Yeah, I know what and you're uh about. yep so i just recorded a couple days going back in july um great guy great guy but yeah we were talking about greed death because he did their album um um hot mulligan is another one mover shakers and like you know i want to like start like interviewing object, the bigger yeah. ones you know what i mean like for sure because what's the difference like you said we're all people you know exactly dude
1: and i mean the nice dog thing- legs
0: coming on too dog legs coming on i'm like i've been talking back and forth with them trying dude, to schedule something. you've been talking to Alex yeah
1: dude they're so fucking nice man i met them through pat pat is um pat ray from see yeah. home yeah and, and I, I met uh those guys through him and they're literally like so fucking sweet which is funny because their yeah. music is somewhat aggressive but like they're yeah uh, they're such nice guys i've only talked to alex
0: um and i talked to him at that show too i was like i introduced myself i was like hey i'm like the face behind the screen you know what i mean sure like when it comes to the podcast and i was trying to book him at atlantis too
1: Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, gotcha.
0: But those guys are so busy, you know, it's all it's I'm like, no hard feelings. You guys are fucking busy. Like we'll we'll work yeah, yeah. something out, you know? Yeah. But but anyways, yeah. So I was talking about just wanting to get bands on here, and I'm just going to message the fuck out of bands, like every band, you know, that I want to get on here, I'm going to. Because even if you're not DIY now, if you had a start in the DIY, like even Manchester Orchestra, dude, like they someone asked like uh Andy Hull, like, how do you how do you get famous? It was like on an, a Reddit Ask Me Anything. And it was his answer was pure DIY. He's like tour as much as you can, make friends in other cities, and swap shows with them. Like that is just like the essence of DIY. I mean, and something
1: to remember about you know when I was talking with some people who have who have no idea how like music scenes work and no idea how to do any of it. Yeah, you know, a lot of young people, their idea of how to quote unquote make it or whatever is like. Go on American Idol or America's Got Talent, and I know that (laughs) sounds super fucking funny, but like that's that that's the concept of how to do it. Which in reality, most I'm not gonna say all, but most of your bands that have gotten big in some respect, I mean, it all comes from underground scene. All DIY is is just the title we're putting on modern underground. Yes, dude, and and all but all that underground is is just a community of like-minded people who want to have shows, regardless if it's at a real venue or not, regardless if the bands are making any real money, or even if they have released music. Right. Like it's about doing it for the passion. And really talented, good people are just going to naturally come out of those scenes. Yeah. And, you know, become the next Joyce Manor or what have you, you know? And and that's something to remember too. You know, you look at bands like like Mom Jeans. Mom Jeans is huge now. But I remember when they put out They still can't sing. Oops. I don't. I don't think that. I don't think <laughs> I'm just that. Just fucking but, around. Dude. <laughs> but mom jeans, you know, they came out of. You know, you know, they they did a lot of house shows and stuff. When Best buds came out, they weren't huge. When Best buds came out, they were but, they were awesome at Bloodfest though. Oh yeah, Bloodfest was amazing. I crowd surfed three times with that. That set was and lost my sp- cell phone. I was got so it back, high back dude.
0: I was so high. I went outside with Matt. Who's the guy that you met us with? Yeah,
1: so yeah. I, I jawbreaker like, shirt. Sure. That's how. Yeah, that's what yeah. caught my eye with you guys. Yeah,
0: dude. I took a hit off a of fucking evil joint came back in and mom jeans was playing and it was packed and we were at the very back of the room just standing on the
1: wall <laughs> thinking like
0: huh band's good
1: let's get out of here <laughs> you know but dude i there was so many good sets though i i'm excited for this year's bloodfest but i'm excited for different reasons like last year i was super excited because the headliners were just out of this world which a lot of boxing. the headliners are really great this year it's just their bands that their their prime time was before I got involved in the scene, yeah, so I'm not as yeah. familiar with them. But like a bunch of like friends are playing on yeah. Bloodfest. They see you like Sea home, like awake but still in bed. Like I don't uh, tranquility. Battle like, a
0: good one too. Yeah,
1: there's like so many like of the bands that are going to be on like the you know stage C and stage D. Yeah, are like these really talented people who are friends of mine. Where before I was super excited yeah. about like the big headliners that were all going to be on stage A, like Remo Drive, but. Yeah, man, Bloodfest is gonna be tight, and it's super funny because that means literally you and I have known each other for a, almost a year. Yeah, we're yeah. almost a year.
0: Yeah, I will be there, passing out fucking invite the neighbors flyers too, man. I'm like, hey, dude,
1: you want to be on this podcast? Heck yeah! <laughs> I I was that guy last year handing out those back came back haunted, haunted CDs. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. Yep. Hey, man, nobody knows truly what they're doing. They're just trying to do it. Yeah, you know what I mean, and yeah, putting yourself out there is never a bad thing, regardless of how you do it. No, sir. And that's
0: like I. I wish I would have, like, had this podcast planned out maybe a couple months before so that I could have... I mean, I guess I still could message Bloodfest last minute and be like, hey, I'm, I do this podcast. Can I come, like, set up a table or whatever and just, like, mm. you know, but... I mean, I'll message them, but I don't expect anything. I sure. think I would have... It would have been easier had I, like I said, had this done a couple months ago. Then I could get, like, a, a banner. I could have, like, actual business cards. I could have, like, things to give people. Sure. I look a Kitty. But yeah like you said just putting yourself out there i mean there's there's no right way to do it there's no wrong way to do it oh
1: yeah and that's that's the thing to remember like i can sit here on like earlier i can sit here and tell you about how to tour all day long but the only way to really know how to tour is to go out there and do it and maybe fall on your face a couple times i know i did um and you learn from your mistakes and just improve and get better and that's i mean that's how it is with anything though so so
0: mike from summer brews
1: he asks ask what the human race did
0: to deserve Kevin's blessing of an existence. And I mean That's what everyone
1: wants to know, I feel like. I don't think I'm going to answer that question. Thank you, Mike, for the comment. Thank you very Sorry, Thank Mike. you for those flattering words, Mike. I appreciate you and love you, and I look forward to seeing you at Bloodfest. <laughs>
0: hey, yeah. And also, hit me back. Let's schedule an episode. <laughs> All right. Um so is there anything in particular you want to promote? I guess the split
1: yep we got the split coming out may 25th should be released on all regular streaming platforms where music can be found um four band split with silver age um sleepless and cacophony and volleyball yours truly um any social media stuff volleyball tn that's how you can find us on any social media okay and um yeah
0: then you're gonna play uh you're gonna play a song here
1: yeah uh, i'll play a song off of the split actually it's gonna be uh our our first song on the split um yeah what's it called uh, mushroom cloud land motherfucker motherfucker
0: oh yeah 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 naturally okay (laughs) all right so we'll get you set up here real quick cool
2: yeet Smash all of my guitars I wanna hide under my bed I'm so fucking embarrassed I'm never gonna open up again This isn't quite how I had my week planned I kinda wish that we had never met Now what am I supposed Now what am I supposed to do Now what am I supposed to do Now what, now what am I supposed to do I was 19 and naive, looking for some sympathy. What the fuck is wrong with me? What the fuck is wrong with me? And you're not even trying to hurt me. I should just leave you alone. I should just leave you alone. I should just leave you alone. take what I want, no matter how it seems to hurt you, because I can't see why you or I would ever love myself, and it's not right, I'm not claiming that your expense is worth it, I just want your love, and I can't have it. Am I supposed to do? No what am I supposed to do? No what am I supposed to do? No what? No what am I supposed to do? I was 19 and naive, looking for some sympathy What the fuck is wrong with me? What the fuck is wrong with me? And you're not even trying to hurt me I should just leave you alone I should just leave you alone I should just leave you alone I'm never gonna open up again Never gonna open up again. I'm never gonna open up again. Yeah. Well, Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Fuck yeah, dude. All right. That is episode four of Invite the Neighbors. Thank you guys for listening. Subscribe, rate, you know, fucking follow the podcast, promote the podcast. We out. That
1: was fun.